fuck it's good. Time to relax. You know what that means. It's time to finally get that Groupon vaginal rejuvenation that, that you've been saving up for all year long. Because you know what they say. It's time you got tight so that everyone will have a great Christmas night. I'm Kevin. I'm Pete. And if it, fit, it, ain't, it, and if it ain't tight, it ain't right. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Those were your other first words, right as you came out when you were born. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, right as you came out, I was like, "How dare you, sir?" <laughs> I'm not Nick. <laughs> no, no one can. Here we be. are. <laughs> this is a new episode of the original Janksters. Finally, after many, many months, <laughs> we are back for a big year-end bonanza. It is a bonanza. You... It's a it's a bonanza, <laughs> I would say, but to like the 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 ninth extent that's not a thing <laughs> the x no the x the x extent <laughs> now that's a thing now we're just in algebra x, x, <laughs> and x, i know we're gonna lose you at that point x extent <laughs> it's to the x extent x x x all right now x, we're x, talking porno x all porno x extent <laughs> say it with me everybody we're going ham like it's the x extent <laughs> I would say it. it with you, but I don't know what you're saying. Accent stent. <laughs> so confused right now. <laughs> That's okay. Accent stent. <laughs> well, yeah, so we're here to uh, do our 2020 wrap up uh, like we normally kind of do. Um, I think it's a lot more sparse than usual because, <laughs> uh, at least on my side, not a lot happened this year, um, but there's still a good time to re-up your list of top board games, because that don't stop. Yeah, that's true. Board games... Shut that down. Shockingly, board games did pretty well this year. Uh, board games being a, you know, one of those um, things that people do together, of course, and that's one of the things that I was shocked to actually see as many board games come out this year but they really kind of went ham on the uh accents that's uh the um <laughs> oh what what do i want to say here like the actual um like the solo modes in games so a lot of people got into that oh. and then they really forced a lot of games to come out on like the digital media like tabletop simulator or simulator um and then a couple other things like um tabletopia and, and they really kind of did a lot of that stuff this year which was actually pretty cool um, wow. So these like old games that they're like, we we need to get this on on digital right now so that people can get easier access to it without going to the store. Yeah, they really did that. They put new games on digital access. They really wanted people to still buy games and still come together, even though we oh, were yeah. far apart. So this allowed people to still play together without sitting right next to each other. I didn't do any of that. Then again, I didn't really play a ton of games with like friends outside of the household. 
Um, but Carol True. and I have played a ton of games though this year, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's it does hurt my bean. But there was a lot of games that came out this year. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's a good time for some people. Like if you're stuck home with your family, like you got like brothers and sisters and like parents and shit, like you can all play a board game together. Like I can imagine they're they're picking up board games more than more than ever before. Yeah, honestly, I think and I think that's why a lot of uh, a lot of board games kind of boomed. Uh, even board games that uh, like came out like last year or a few years ago, um, it boomed just because of that very reason. Because families have been kind of stuck inside, so they're trying to come up with you know fun activities to play as a family, and I think that's why uh, board games did pretty well. You can only play Kick Billy so many times before he starts bleeding. It's true. <laughs> I've always said that. Right when I came out. <laughs> Accents then. Um, but yeah, so this year I'm going to do uh, top 25 board games. I feel like I just kind of keep going up and up, but I'm not going to like ramble oh, off damn. everything that they do and all that stuff like I think I usually do. I'm just going to kind of uh, flub around a little bit. Um, but of course, if you have questions, you can ask them. But uh, there was one thing I did differently this year that I've never done before. Um oh. So usually I just like look at my board games and I think to myself, all right, which ones do I like the most? And, you know, I'll make a list and it's like, oh, in my brain, this is the one that I like the most. And this, you know, I kind of make a list from there. Um, but there's this app or website called pubmeeple.com. So that's P-U-B meeple. Um, and basically what you can do with that is uh, I'm also uh, I also have a profile on Board Game Geek. And I rank all the games that I've ever played, and I take that, or I took that list, and I put it into Pub Meeple, and then it pairs those. <laughs> Great question: Do you spell Meeple like people with an M? No, you would think that, wouldn't you? No, it? it's M E E P L E. Meeple. Okay. That was going to be my other guess. <laughs> uh huh. Um, you can go P Apple. Um, so. <laughs> uh, I took that list, I put it into Pub Meeple, and then what Pub Meeple does is it. Uh, creates lists for you. So what you do, and you could do this with movies and food and all sorts of stuff, um, but I did it with board games, and what it does is it pairs two of those things together. So it's going to pair two games together, and you choose one uh, that you would play over the other one, if that makes sense. So okay. if I'm paired up with, like, uh, we'll say the game Agricola and Lords of Waterdeep, I'll go, okay, which one do I like more? All right, well, Lords of Waterdeep. And it does this, I think, out of the, I think, 127 or 137 games. I actually kind of pared that down as well to, I think it was like 120. Um, uh, I got rid of some of that. I, I stripped some of that out to, until I got to 120 because I was interested in what my top 100 looked like, honestly. I wasn't going to do all 100 <laughs> nice. on the show. But um, I think <laughs> it asked me like 530-something times, you know, basically – which one do you like more? Which one do you like more? And it just kept going and going until it finally finished, and it gave me my top 120 list. Pretty fast. Holy fuck! Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's um, a lot of a lot of questions. Yeah. I usually like did your own bracket tournament, but extreme. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't prepared to see this list because I mean it is quite different from what I think I imagined it would be. Um, <laughs> Turns out Monopoly is your favorite game. I did put that in the mix, and that is still yes. actually. I believe Trouble is my last, uh, the one that's <laughs> in the very back. But then I think it was like maybe Monopoly or Life, one of those. One Ooh, of those. Damn it! 
Speaking of life, there is an awesome board game that's out actually now called Pursuit of Happiness, um, which is basically life of the game, but like for people who actually want to play a good game. Um, I actually <laughs> put in, uh, I went in for the Kickstarter this last time, and I'm going all in on it to get all the expansions because, dude, this game sounds so cool. Like you get points on, uh, I think it lasts like seven rounds, but the last three rounds are really dependent on how stressful and happy you are. If you're too stressful, you'll just die of old age because it kind of goes through and uh, the rounds are like the first round you're a teenager. And then the second and third and fourth round, I think you're an adult. The fifth, Ooh. sixth, and seventh is when you start to go into old age. And the more stress you have, you can actually die before the seventh round. <laughs> So oh, that's great. I know it's such a really cool concept and there's like different things like that you can do like you can eat salad and that'll give you more happiness like long-term happiness but your short-term happiness actually goes down because nobody wants to eat salad. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so you have to manage your short-term happiness, your long-term happiness and your long-term happiness is uh basically your victory points. So you're going to get victory points for your long-term happiness but your short-term happiness can actually stress you out depending on how happy or sad you are. So you're trying to, like, like uh, balance these things. you too uh, happy, you get stressed. Yeah. <laughs> this is too good. So you can, like it. you can start dating one person, which is good, because that can give you long-term happiness, of course. And you can actually, if you'd like, date another person. But that becomes more stressful. Uh -oh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and the more people you date, the more stress you have. Um, it's such a fascinating, uh, concept. I'm really excited for that game. I've heard really good things about it for the last, I think, year or so, but when I heard that they were doing another Kickstarter that's bringing in nostalgia into the game, I was like, I'm in. Uh oh. <laughs> How are they bringing nostalgia in? You know what? I, that's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I feel like it's probably going to be something that is added to the game that, uh, things that maybe you did while you were a teen or a young adult when things kind of come back out into the array of cards, if you associate it with yourself, that might, you know, raise some of your long-term happiness or your short-term happiness. So maybe it's something like that. I'm not entirely sure. I know that I saw like arcade games and things from like the eighties, basically malls and stuff like that were part of this. I just don't really know how it's incorporated, but um, I'm, I'm excited. You, you like used a slap bracelet too many times and broke your wrist, <laughs> but <laughs> you were still happy your whole life. <laughs> still happy regardless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah monopoly uh yeah it's definitely at the very bottom of it i will say though uh -uh. i think out of the 137 uh 115 clue i do like clue wow. i'm not a big fan of roll and move but i like uh Oops. deduction which is always fun and deduction is uh definitely part of clue so mm -hmm. that made it that made it in there <laughs> i'm glad it wasn't at the bottom but yeah, I can see there probably are better deduction games. Like even that one we played with uh, you and your dad and Veda, like where you're just kind of trying to get people to guess things. That was pretty fun. Like that's probably better than Clue. Uh, Werewolf? Was that the one that we played? Uh, no, the one where it was like, uh, like there'd be a room or something and you'd have to guess which room it was based on a Clue. Room and Clue. Clue and room. Um, shit, there was like... It would have to be like, oh, it's got something to do with music, and there was like a room, or that's the it's the one that uh, oh, remember where like it was something to do with wood, and <laughs> it got you all angry when you were playing with your friends. 
is it Mysterium or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mysterium. <laughs> You're right. The stool. Yeah. The stool. Yep. And I was trying to get him to guess the wooden stool, but then he's like, well, puppets are made of wood. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, why would you guess puppet? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm going to kind of go through this list fairly quickly. It is very shocking how things have fallen. Like, I want to say when we first started doing this, uh, Mage Knight was number one for, I think, two or three years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's number 29, apparently, now. Wow, not even in the top 25. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's shocking. Like, even Sheriff of Nottingham is 27, which also makes me slightly sad. Um, I love... (laughs) Here's the problem. I've played so many games since the, the, the breaking point. As soon as I was able to kind of go headfirst into board games, I've done so much research on stuff that I wanted and stuff that appeals to me that when I made this list, it was very hard to choose between some of the pairings. Like, it was almost like pulling teeth. It was like, this game versus this game. I was like, oh my god, I fucking love both of those games so much. And I had, if I had to pick one, I guess it would have to be this one. And it kept doing that on me, especially towards the end. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> it was very difficult. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're different types of games. Like, if they're the exact same format of games, it's probably easier, but if they're totally different, it's like, how do you, how do you pick? How do you measure? Exactly. So here we go. I'm going to start. I'm going to kick this off with number 25. Welcome to, I think that you played this one. This is the one where you had to make houses. Uh, It's a rolling, flipping, right? You flip cards over and then you got to put little addresses on houses and fill in pools and create parks. Does this sound familiar at all? You showed me this, but we never played it. Okay. I know I played with my dad and he found it fascinating. So I really like welcome to, it's a fun little game. Uh, number 24 is Smartphone Inc. This is actually a new one I got this year. It's a great economic game in where you're selling cell phones. At first, this did not appeal to me at all. And then when I looked more into it, I was like, wow, this sounds fascinating. And then I played it, and I'm like, I am sold. It's so good. You're trying to like steal other people's like countries where they think they are going to sell more phones. And then you come in, and you're like, I don't know. I'll sell more phones for a cheaper price. It's so good. Um, <laughs> it's really, really fun. Uh, number 23, Mysterium. We just talked about that. Yeah, there it's we a go. Great little deduction game. That one is very much like Clue, uh, but on a grander scale. I really like Mysterium. I want to find a variant. I heard that there's a variant out there that kind of, uh, makes it faster. Um, so anyways, number 22, the Isle of Cats. Isle of Cats is a fantastic game. It sounds silly because there's cats in it, but it's actually very thinky. Um, these cats are like laid out on these tiles in like weird ways. All these tiles are very strange looking, kind of like Tetris, like how you got the different okay. like layouts, and you're trying to place them in this ship that you have. This uh, this player board is your ship, and you're trying to fill up you know these different rooms and trying to get your cats to hopefully be the same color because they're these weird alien cats. I don't know. I don't understand the damn <laughs> theme at all, but it's a it, huh. dude. This game had me thinking about it like later and then the next day and the next day. I, it's such a fantastic game. I love Isle of Cats. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. Nice. It's a strange. So it's kind of like Tetris where you're just trying to pack it in and yeah, exactly. It's very much like that. You're trying, Jesus. you're trying to keep the colors 
of cats, like touching each other because you'll score more points that way. But you're also trying to fill these rooms, kind of like Tetris, where you're trying to pack it in as tightly as you can. The more space that you have filled up, again, the more points you'll have at the end of the game. It's really, really fun. Um, number 21, Potion Explosion. This is Candy Crush, the board game, basically. Um, <laughs> wow. Carol and I have probably... This is one of our probably one of our most played games, especially recently. Uh, it comes with a giant tray filled with marbles. And every time you pull a marble up, if two marbles of the same color like kind of clack together because they're sitting on this like ramp in the tray, if they clack together, you also get to take those marbles and you're trying to fill up potions using the marbles, uh, the color of those marbles. Um, super fun game. My God, it's such a good game. Um, nice. What do the potions do? Ah, good question. So the potions will give you points. And then oh. uh, at the end of the game, uh, you'll calculate those points. And, of course, whoever has the highest points wins. But you could also use the potions for a special ability uh, as if you just drank that potion. And that can allow you to you know, remove certain marbles from the tray or use certain marbles. Maybe you have a bunch of blue marbles in your hand, but you need a couple of uh, you know, just red ones. You can drink a potion to turn them all red. So there's all sorts of different things that the potions do. And then, again, like I said, whenever uh, the game ends, the person with the most points wins. So you're doing the best you can to manipulate your potions and the marbles. It's it's super thinky. I have a problem where when I'm playing it, I look at the marbles. I'm like, oh, that's the best move. And I take it, but I just – it was a, an amazing move of <laughs> – marbles are clacking and chaining together, but I didn't need any of those colors. I just wanted to have a really long <laughs> chain of things. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair yeah i think that's just natural <laughs> oh that game is fun uh valeria card kingdoms now this is a game where it's like machi koro it's the fantasy machi koro um but it's more of hey roll dice get stuff and then when it's the next person's turn it doesn't matter you're still gonna get stuff um this is another game that carol and i played a just a ridiculous amount uh, a few months ago we probably played it like five six times like one after another after another um Man, this is such a fun game. Uh, I had to tweak it a little bit because it goes on way too long if you do it per the rules. Uh, so I tweaked it to where it doesn't go nearly as long, and it's it's such <laughs> it's such an amazing game that way. And we did the same thing. We went over to our friend's house. We played it the same way, and they, they loved it. I think we played it two times in a row then as well. Very fun game. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. I think this is the newest game on my list as far as the... Uh, time frame. Uh, I just got this. This is Indiana Jones in a box. It is an incredible, incredible game. It mixes worker placement, which is like Lords of Waterdeep, and deck building, which is like, uh, I don't know, Ascension or a whole bunch of other games that I really love. It meshes those Hero, together. Or, or, what was that game? Uh, just, uh, fuck, what was that called? <laughs> when we played oh, with uh, Hero Nick Realms. Switch. Yeah, Hero Realms. That's yep. it. Uh, very much like Star that, Wars. or even yeah, Spellbook. Same kind of uh, same kind of premise, but it mixes that with worker placement. And oh my god, dude, it's so good. Like, there's a couple like basic spots that you can go to to collect resources. Um, but the real like uh, like crux of the game is going out into these like mysterious areas. And when you get into mm -hmm. there, you'll open up a brand new location. You're actually like exploring these new areas. You open up a location, and then there's a monster there. You either deal with the monster or you get a fear card. It's not terrible. These fear cards will kind of, like, clog up your deck, and they're worth minus one point at the end of the game. But if you do deal with the monster before the end of your turn, 
um, or before the end of the round, rather, uh, what will end up happening is you actually get to keep the monster there in front of you, and he will score you points at the end of the game. Um, man, it's so good. You're also doing research on this research track, and then, of course, you'll get more points the higher you go up on this research track. It is so damn good. I don't know how they were able to mesh those two mechan uh, mechanisms together, but oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, all right, number 18, Millennium Blades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love me some Millennium Blades. Uh, I believe February yeah. or March, the last gigantic expansion, which is like, I don't even know how many cards, dude. I think it's like 600 cards. Um, they, ha oh my God. they have to, like, they're literally making a brand new box for the game because they can't fit it all in the original anymore. I can't wait. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of cards. There's already a lot of cards, and if they keep adding expansions of that many, like, that's a shit ton. Yeah, thankfully, they're done after this one. Um, they're completely finished with this because they want to use, I guess, like, the story or that theme and put it in other games, um, kind of like the whole uh, premise of Millennium Blades. I think they're trying to create now newer games with that same premise, but they're going to be done with Millennium Blades themselves. Probably still make games in that same world, but not using that same uh, concept or game design. Thank God. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right, number 17, Champions of Midgard. This is a Viking game, very much in the same vein of Lords of Waterdeep. But instead of, like, going out and just getting resources and completing quests, you're going out getting resources and killing monsters. This is very, very fun, but it is a little bit more risky for the Bisky because you are rolling <laughs> dice. Your warriors are dice. So you could kill that monster. It's possible that it might actually be dead, or you could have wasted your turn. But usually it's high risk, <laughs> oh, high no. reward. You can risk, you know, a few dice to get, like, 20 points, or you might lose your dice. Um, it's it's a very fun <laughs> game, though. It is it is good. Number 16 is Kingsburg. This is a game I believe I got towards the end of last year. Carol and I have played this one quite a few times as well, where you just uh, you roll dice and you assign those dice to these different associates or advisors, actually, uh, on the board, and they'll give you different resources to unlock. Kind of like Warcraft, you're unlocking these different buildings, and you can't unlock the very far building until you have another building, you know, the prerequisites. Uh, same same thing. Um, it's very, very fun. It allows you to kind of build this fun engine. Nice. All right, number 15 is Summoner Wars. I think this has been on the list quite a few times as well. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's a 1v1 game in which you are just killing some peoples, and everybody's peoples are very different. I could be goblins, you could be dwarves. You know, fantasy stuff. Um, <laughs> number 14. I think this was actually higher last year. Number 14 is Spirit Island. This is the game where Kevin kind of disagrees oh, yeah. with. Where in this game, you are the spirit <laughs> of an island trying to destroy the colonists. Uh, trying to, <laughs> uh, I guess, inhabit the island. Kevin wants to be the colonists. So. <laughs> They're good guys. They're just trying to live their lives. <laughs> Just trying to ravage, <laughs> ravage the natives and rape them. Um, You're gonna have Thanksgiving. They'll all have a dinner together, have some turkey. They'll be fine. <laughs> they always give corn, and if they don't, well, they know what's coming. <laughs> you get a smallpox blanket, one or the other. <laughs> uh, but it's a great cooperative game. I very much enjoy it. Just got the expansion for it this year. I played it, and oh my god, there's so much going on now. It doesn't even make sense. All right, next one, Robinson Crusoe. Love this game as well. This is the game where you're just surviving on an island until you're not. 
that's basically what this game is. It's hard as butt stuff. It really is. So is there an actual ending? Like, can you ever get off the island? Or is it just like, you survive as long as you can? No. It's going to end when you die. Each one of the scenarios is completely different. Uh, The one that I really like playing is the one where you're trying to survive long enough until you could build this fire. So that way a helicopter could see it or a boat could see the fire and then you're rescued. I think it's after so many rounds or whatever. Um, but there's all sorts of different scenarios. There's one where it's like uh, Skull Island and you're trying to deal with King Kong. There's one where you're stuck oh. a, you're stuck in Neverland and you're trying to deal with Captain Hook and you're trying to meet up with the Lost Boys. Um, there's all sorts of different scenarios that you could deal with. It's super fun. There's even a scenario for like if you're trying to get your kids. Uh, I think it's called... Uh, 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 I don't remember what it's called, but it's like a junior version, so it's not nearly as difficult, but it is still, <laughs> it's still not super easy. It's fun. Oh, I hope it's the Lord of the Flies like version <laughs> where you get to like, oh. crush a fat kid's head with a rock. <laughs> I know they're, dude. I'm not gonna lie. So I think next year they're coming out in February with a Kickstarter because they want to do a scenario book. So many fans over the years have created all these like fan, fan variants scenarios for the game with the pieces that are involved in the current game. And apparently they want to do this book and they're going to do a Kickstarter. uh, Like I said, I think it's in February. I'm going to be jumping on that because that would be amazing to have just like a ridiculous amount of scenarios. And I'm hoping for a Lord of the Flies. I'm also hoping for a dinosaur (laughs) Island thing. I need that in my life. That's what I need. All right. Number 12. (laughs) They just happen to wash up on the Isla Nublar. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Ah, (laughs) balls i guess i have to go find my son where's grant i need to find him first alan god damn that talking velociraptor alan uh number 12 role player this is a game in which you are creating a character and doing it better than everybody else trying to get those points i really like role player they just had an expansion for that the last expansion thankfully so i don't think anything else should be in this game i think it's actually kind of bogged down now with the last one so whatever (laughs) the expansion to make it actually like a game where you actually do something once you designed your character yeah there's two of those actually now now that there's uh okay monsters and minions uh now at the end of the game you take your character and you fight a giant like boss monster uh, but then they just came out with this friends or fiends and familiars. So you kind of uh, start with, yeah, it's like a pet, which is cool. You know, I'm going to jump okay. in with there's pets. Um, yep. So you get a pet, um, but then there's also these fiends that kind of mess with you and your uh, your tableau building kind of thing. So I don't really like those that much, and I think I actually took them <laughs> out because I don't. They, they kind of just suck. <laughs> It's like every time yeah. you take the highest die, you get a fee. It doesn't fiend. seem like there's any benefit. No, there's no benefit. So I just took those out. I, didn't, I don't like those. Um, all right, number 11, The Quacks of Quedlinburg. This is one I expected to actually be in my top 10. I cannot believe that it's not there. This is a game in which you're trying to make a, uh, kind of like Potion Explosion, you're trying to make a gigantic potion, and uh, you're going to be using these ingredients, but it's uh, luck of the draw. These ingredients are in your bag, and you're going to be placing them in this potion giant cauldron rather and uh if you grab too many of this uh, it's called cherry bomb ingredients your potion explodes and then you're out for that round so it's push your luck Ooh. it is easily one of the best games that i've played in a long time honestly kevin you would love this game i know you would love it mm. it's great yeah i'll have to play it someday yep someday indeed 
Number 10. Not a fun name. <laughs> the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Number 10. Mega Man Pixel <laughs> Tactics. This really kind of applies to anything Pixel yeah. Tactics. Yeah. I love, and specifically the Mega Man ones, just because I have uh, uh, Tethex Thets to it. So, um, yeah. I love, I just love. the attachment to those characters. It really, really is such a great game. And then when you put the paste on the Mega Man theme, and I'm fighting my robot masters with your robot masters, and they're touching their robot dicks together, that's a good game. <laughs> It really is like it's surprising how good it is. Like, because every game, every game is different. Like, you never know who you're gonna get out there, and you gotta just make the best you can of what you got, and, and it's fun. It is, and I like I, it. And the the tactics word in that game is perfect because you are dealing with the now. You can kind of come up with a strategy, and there's definitely strategy in this game, but you never know what you're gonna get in your hand. You know, mm-hmm. you never really know what the other player is going to play. So it's that back and forth, like, all right, what can I do right now that's going to benefit me the most? It's such a fantastic game. I love it a lot. I agree. Uh, number nine, Dinosaur Island. Uh, I love Dinosaur Island. I like worker placement games a lot. Um, and being able to build a park to put dinosaurs in and then use those dinosaurs to attract people into your park. And if they're dangerous dinosaurs, they might eat those people. Oh, man, it's so good. I love this <laughs> That's game. That's what happened to Robinson Crusoe. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he got a little too close <laughs> to the boy, and then he sends his little yammies <laughs> after him. Um, but, yeah, Dinosaur Island is a fantastic game. I love it. Thunderstone Quest is my number eight. This is a huge deck-building game. I have everything for it so far, and I'll continue to have everything for it when they keep coming out with stuff. I love this game with all of my heart. Um, It is very fantasy. It's a deck-building extravaganza, but man, I love it. It's good. It's good stuff. (laughs) Just trying to get them points. Nice. Number seven, which I believe is new to the list, uh, is a game called Agizia. Uh, Agizia is a game in which you are, uh, I guess another worker placement in which you're going out and trying to, uh, gain bricks and then use those bricks to build giant structures. You got the pyramid, you've got the sphinx, you've got, uh, colonnades, all sorts of stuff, um, that you're trying to use these bricks for. Oh dude, it's so, so good. Um, you go down the Nile and you could go and get the really good stuff that's at the bottom of the Nile, but you can never go back up the river until the very next round. So it's when you can go at any spot down that river, but you kind of want to slowly go down so you can get all the stuff before it. But of course, if somebody just shoots down the river really quickly, then they're going to take that good, good. Oh man, I really love this game. <laughs> it's so, so good. Not my good, good. They're going to take that good, I'm gonna good. Leave that out. No one really knows. Um, but yeah, Agizia, <laughs> love it. Number seven. Number six, Lords of Waterdeep. This was my number one, I believe, last year and maybe even the year before. Lords of Waterdeep, I kind of explained it already. So again, another worker placement in which you're gaining resources. You're going to use those resources to complete quests. Person with the most points at the end of the game wins. Those quests give you points. It's such a good game. Number five. This is uh, a good, good. It, it, yeah, it's a good, good game. <laughs> Number five is an old game that I just recently got. Um, so this is deemed the godfather of deck building games. And it's a game called Dominion. A game came out in 2007. I've known about the game for 
probably just as long, but I never jumped in. This game came out in about probably less than a year later. A game called Ascension came out, and I dove into that one instead. Um, I had just recently got Dominion for my birthday from Carol, and we played it. I don't even know how many times at this point. And then I jumped into Expansion Land. Oh, I can't fit anything else into the box. We'll just put it that way. The box probably weighs close to 15 pounds. It's ridiculous. Uh, like, have they been putting out extensions ever since 2007? Oh, yeah. Uh, 13 expansions in total. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, I do not have all 13. Great. Not all 13 are even good. Um, but I got the ones, again, that I researched that I do like, and I put them in the box. It's a deck-building game that is just pure deck building it's uh instead of this like you know you remember how in hero realms there's like a trade row so like every time you buy a card another card flips up and then you can purchase that one this one it's piles of cards it's 10 piles of cards and all all 10 piles like one pile will consist of 10 cards of the exact same card so you're actually building your deck with those 10 cards um and trying to build an engine that way it's very pure but it's so fascinating because nobody's got a leg up on anyone because sometimes with Ascension or Hero Realms, you could buy a card and not have any more gold, but that next card that comes up and flips up is an amazing card that you just kind of like, oh, well, now I'm not going to win or oh, this guy's going to have a leg up on me because they're going to buy an amazing card. And, of course, there's a chance that they might not have enough gold to buy it as well. But um, Dominion, you see all the cards, and you're going to choose which ones to put into the deck. And that's what I love about it. Um, God damn it, dude. Oh. I love Dominion. Uh, you can target it a little bit. I like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it's you can build you can build such an amazing deck and engine depending on the cards that are out there. So you know, the first thing that you do is you place all ten cards out and then you read them. And you're like, ooh, that one can pair up with that <laughs> one very well. Or this one, if I have maybe two or three of those, those will work really well. Oh man, it's so good. I really love Dominion. Alright. Nice. Number four is Agricola. Um, this, I think, oh, yeah. um, conquers Caverna. Caverna was probably, well, I know Caverna was definitely better to me last year, maybe even two years ago as well. I love Caverna a lot, but I think Agricola actually is better. And it actually came out, man, I say actually a lot, and I've learned, I've said that many, many times. <laughs> um, but Caverna came out after agricola agricola is pure farming the game that's what agricola is cavernous your dwarves so you're kind of mining and you're also farming uh the one thing that i like more about agricola is it comes with these cards and you get 14 cards and that's all you get throughout the entirety of the game and it's when you want to play them and how you want to use them where in converna i think there's 47 tiles that you get to choose from at any point during the game the problem is, is setting that all up. You have to place all 47 of these tiles every single time you play in specific spots on a board. Oh, wow. If it was just like, hey, lay them out so everybody could see them, maybe it would be better. But no, I have to lay them out in this board in a specific way so you know exactly how much they cost. Oh, my God. It's a headache and a half. Plus, <laughs> if I'm looking at 14 cards, I can probably come up with a better strategy instead of looking at 47 tiles to figure out, okay, which tiles do I want to use? It's insanity. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. I love Agricola. Also, it's... I don't know that uh, like mining and farming go together that well, where you're like, oh, this makes total sense. Like, eh. 
<laughs> yeah. Just keep it to farm. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, that's very true. I, I think when I jumped into Caverna, I was thinking of, like, you know, that Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, where there is mining in those games because you're trying to get certain, like, gems. And then, of course, you want to take those gems and spend them. Or use those uh, precious metals that you find while uh, mining to upgrade your weapons and tools. Okay, that makes sense. But in Caverna, that doesn't really happen. Uh, there is a little bit of that, but it's not the same, like, feel. I just want to play a farming game. It'll always be Agricola. Um, I've played this solo a few times this year. Oh, God, dude, it's so good. I just, I love it. All right. Nice. Number three. Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> just. Um, I love Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Uh, I've played this now solo a couple times. I played it with a group of friends. I wish that I lived close to Kevin and Nick because I think that you two would like this game. I love this game. It is Warcraft 3 in a box. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, number two, this is a shock. I do love this game a lot. Didn't realize it was going to be this high. Wingspan. This is another game I played a lot with Carol oh, this yeah. year. This is a game in which you have a bunch of birds, and you're trying to entice birds to come out into your, uh, I guess, a aviary? Does that sound right? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, you're trying to get birds to come over to your player board, and uh, they're going to lay some eggs, they're going to eat some food. If you've got like the predator birds, like eagles and stuff, they'll eat other birds. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Um, they just got a new expansion that Carol and I have been playing a lot of, um, and where there's a new wild resource called Nectar that's really cool. Um, I really like this game a lot. It's very, very fun. I did not realize this was going to be number two, uh, but whatever. Sounds like a good Christmas game because you can pretend to be the crazy homeless bird lady from Home Alone 2. Yeah. I want to be the pigeon woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then finally. She's everyone's idol. Number one. Everdell. I had a feeling this one was probably going to make it to the very top. I love Everdell with all of my... I knew that it was probably going to beat out Lord of... Lords of Waterdeep. I almost said Lord of the Flies. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep. I love, 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 love Everdell. This is a worker placement game in which you are a bunch of like woodland creatures and you're trying to build the better city. Um, the game has such an... Uh, it, it has a physical presence on the table. It comes with this wooden tree. It comes with this beautiful board with insane-looking resource tokens and stuff. Like, the wood is actual wood. These little berries are little squishy berries. I mean, everything looks oh, amazing, nice. dude. It's such a really cool-looking game. Great. But the game is it, the gameplay is incredible. I mean, you're woodland creatures going out and trying to gain these resources to build things for your town. So these different little buildings can actually... Uh, Man, I see again. I said actually again. Um, these <laughs> these buildings can entice other people of those buildings to come in. So, like, for example, I could build a library for my city or town or whatever. And then I could play the librarian for free then. Because now I have the library. And the person who has the most points at the end of the game, per the city cards that you've built, will then win. And it's that back and forth of, like, playing... You can play the librarian, but it's going to cost you resources. But if you have the library, then the librarian's free. And there's all this back and forth and pairing of cards. It's so, so good. And then uh, I got an expansion this year where you can go on a big old giant adventure. And uh, some of the creatures that you can acquire on this adventure can actually like be put on a saddle. 
or you put a saddle on them and then your little creature meeples dude i don't even really understand it it's so so good i can ride them i can take my little fox man and ride a moose oh yeah i like it yeah animals are teaming up big deal it's a big deal <laughs> there's peace in the animal kingdom <laughs> um but yeah very 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 good i really like it very 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 much i love everdell sounds like what you were trying to do with that villages game oh villages still no villages is different Villages is very different um <laughs> okay. village is like a tile placement game actually i'm hoping if everything goes right, I should have villages available for sale. Uh, I would imagine by oh. the end of this year. Uh, I think I got the rule book completely fixed. I've got it on its way, so I want to make sure that all of that looks good, um, including one of the uh, game game boards. But I do like villages a lot. That's a such a good game. Um, but yeah, that's like tile placement with crazy dice. Crazy dice. Oh, okay. Dice. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have the dice. <laughs> gotta have the dice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what's a game without dice? It's like a game without golems. I've always said that, right out of the womb. <laughs> um, there is one game though that I kind of, I kind of went all in, kind of went all in. It's got some pretty good buzz. It's called uh, Dwellings of Eldervale, not to be confused with Everdell. God damn it! I wish they yeah. had a different name. Um, but this is a uh, game that came out this year that i jumped in on an ebay purchase the snag the big copy um it should be coming in on tuesday oh kevin i'm very excited for this one this is going to be a good oh, um merry christmas to you yeah merry <laughs> christmas pete <laughs> is this a huge game it's pretty big you know it, honestly oh, it's huge yeah. because of the components themselves i feel like you could probably fit it in a normal size game but like the components are so ridiculous like Everybody, instead of getting like a player board, they get a player tray. So all of the pieces that you'll be collecting will go inside of this tray, and everything has its spot and its specific area of where everything goes. Oh, dude, it's so nice. It looks incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, the gameplay is is what's catching my eye on it. That's It's like, a, again, a worker placement game, but when you take your workers back, you can place them on cards that you've like built over the period of the game. And those will give you resources. Oh my Jesus! Whew. Just, Very nice. Let me just fan myself. I'm starting to get hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about these games. Is this a new game, or is this something you're just getting around to now? Uh, it's a new game. Uh, it was a Kickstarter that I saw last year because when I saw it originally, I thought it was an expansion for uh, Everdell. I was like, Dwellings oh, of Everdell. Yeah. But no, it's not. And I was like, oh. And then they said it's worker placement. I'm like, I think I have enough worker placement games. I guess I was wrong. Yep, you can never have enough. <laughs> never. <laughs> but yeah, very, very cool that I, I like the pub meeple thing. It was interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Fire, Fireball Island was number 40. These are some of my, I guess, honorable... Uh, mentions that you would know. Yeah, those are ones. Yeah, <laughs> ones I actually heard of. Yep, that's a good game. I like that one. Uh, Mechs vs. Minions. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but that was fifty-two. Yep. Um, I thought that used to be higher. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it may have been. That was like when I was starting up, slowly, slowly collecting. <laughs> Where's Tok Tok Woodman? It is on here. Um, <laughs> hold on. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Uh, it's number 88. 
Oh, okay. So it cracked the top 100. <laughs> That's good. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, Werewolf didn't do so well. I like Werewolf, though. That's a very fun game. But that's 105. Yeah. <laughs> it's better with way more people. It so well when we tried to play it. <laughs> no. just like, yeah, I was hanging out in the basement, getting drunk and talking shit about people with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> is this a game or is this real life? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, Kevin, I got to show you these things real quick, too. I'm hoping Nick never listens to the show. But um, can you see my screen at all? Uh, yes. All right. Uh, should I should show you the cards? Had to get the position. Actually, what <laughs> I'll do, I got, I'll show you this, and then you can kind of announce what you're seeing. But let me uh, share the screen if I can. Because oh, okay. so for Christmas, I decided to. Again, I hope they don't actually watch this or listen. To this. <laughs> I mean, this probably won't even go up before Christmas, to be honest. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> There's a slim chance. All right. Hold on. Sharing the screen. I think it'll go up Tuesday. So, <laughs> all right. So for Christmas, I decided to get Megan, my dad, and uh, Nick all copies of Amethyst. It seemed like everybody mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Megan's the only one who hasn't played it, but I feel like it's easy enough for them to kind of understand. Um, but I didn't just want to get them Amethyst and just call it a day. I wanted it to personalize it. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you saw the other day uh, or a couple weeks ago, I made Carol the Cat Lady, right? Yep, saw that one. All right, so Carol the Cat <laughs> Lady, I thought this was funny, but this was one of the last cards I made because then I had to make everybody else. Oh, yes, sir, I made everybody else. So, yes. <laughs> so I made Chris the Paladin. I did throw a little nice. nod out there for Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have like Cultist Shell. <laughs> 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 wow <laughs> so she's she's a monster in this game <laughs> all right we also have darth veda <laughs> so so this says at the end of the game if the citizen has not been recruited veda gains five points so you want basically you want uh veda you want to take her so that, yeah. yeah exactly. So Veda's getting points. Let me explain also, Carol. So, Carol, at the end of the game, gain five points if you have at least four nicknames for your cat. Uh, Carol will win that every time. <laughs> All right. So, this one Stand here back. Grandma Megan. <laughs> if, of course. If it had to be. <laughs> if recruited by Megan, gain two points for every dog in the room. Oh shit! Yeah, she's gonna clean house. So she can gain possibly six points from this. Uh, yeah, from this card. That's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe if they're dog sitting, even more. This is Kaylee the Midge. This is probably one of my favorite arts on it. <laughs> Just the top of her head. Is you can showing. only see the top of her head because she's so small. Uh, when recruited, build any one item for free. If recruited by Kaylee, she could build any two items for free. So there you go. Oh, well, I want to get one free sale. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. We got Lacroix bot. If recruited by Lacroix, <laughs> all monsters you slay are worth plus one victory points at the end of the game. So that's pretty good. Get some, yeah, a lot of points that way. His robot back should probably be in better shape than his actual one. True. Uh, Nick the Lush. <laughs> when when you drink this turn, you may use the mine action. 
I like that this is a thing because drink's not actually an action. <laughs> but it is in this <laughs> when you have Nick the Lush. <laughs> so when you drink this You've turn... you turned it into a drinking game. I like it. Yeah. Um, next one, we got Pete the Jester. I don't like this one as much because I don't want to put myself in a game. But Pete the Jester, <laughs> when recruited, give the citizen to another player. This is minus five victory points at the end of the game. Ooh, cool. <laughs> You're going to jambalaya fart on them. <laughs> and it's it's increase their, their long-term and short-term happiness. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's true. This one's just called Scooch, and I like that. Uh, at the end of the game, Perfect. gain four victory points if you made your car payments. If you don't have car payments, gain two victory points. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> i forgot i did that <laughs> i forgot i did that that's honestly hilarious <laughs> and then i did uh of course my dad as well undead peepaw um you can either kill this monster with six swords or six shields which is nice <laughs> damn he's a tough guy yeah he's he's pretty pretty (laughs) tough i like that one but yeah that's uh that's everybody's gifts (laughs) oh it's so good (laughs) so each one of them get all those cards in there yeah all all of them are gonna get those cards so um when megan's already got hers on the way to her this is the thing that i'm really upset about and i i absolutely understand like the post office is absolute I would imagine mayhem right now with everything that's going on. <laughs> but I sent my dad's and Nick's. So I sent them both to my dad because I know Nick's going over to my dad's for Christmas. So I sent them both from the game crafter to my dad. I think it was December 1st. It got to, uh, cause the game crafter is out of uh, Madison, Wisconsin. It got to the post office in Madison on the 1st of December and has not left. Oh, God. <laughs> it is still just sitting there. It's the 20th of December, and it's just sitting there still. I, Ugh, I that's don't, frustrating. I do not know if that's going to make it for Christmas, and it pisses me off because yeah. I placed the order before so Thanksgiving, close. and it got sent. Technically, it left the Game Crafter uh, on the 30th of uh, November, got to the post office. They accepted it on the 1st, and it has not moved since. There's a big story uh, just like a week or so ago. About a, in uh, Mount Greenwood, a bunch. Of, someone found like a garbage can or a dumpster full of like just like 19 packages that the post office just dumped there. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh great. <laughs> so the God wor- only knows what the hell they're doing right now. Well, the, the thing that upsets me is so when I placed Nick's in my dad's order, I also placed Megan's order, but I had to have hers shipped to me first because I wanted to put in that that book with my mom. All about my mom in there. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) they both got to Madison uh, uh, Post Office immediately, uh, like on the 1st. And Megan's was sent to me literally, I think, a day or two later. So I I already got it, and I already sent it to Megan. It should be there, I I think, Tuesday is when it gets to Megan. So I have no idea what's going on with my dad's. It's pretty upsetting. (laughs) Oh, my God. I sent yeah. an email yesterday because I'm like I don't I don't know what the hell's going on. Does it say like what post office it's it's stuck at so they can go there and pick it up if need be or something? Yeah, it says it's still at the Madison one. I just don't know 
Oh. So in Madison, Jesus Christ. I know, dude. It's so stupid. <laughs> it literally all all that's happened is it was accepted at the Madison uh, post office. So the guy at the game crafter said, Here, here's this package, send it out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Okay, we'll <laughs> shelve it. <laughs> <laughs> this will wait till after Christmas. Then we'll get around to it. It's so dumb. I oh hate God. It. <laughs> but Megan should have that's hers awful. at least, which will be nice. Yeah, if it's not buried under snow. I know. Jesus. <laughs> but I don't I don't get it because I placed the order, like I said, I placed the order for villages, the new rule book and the new player board or the uh, game board, and that should be t- me on Monday. And I placed that order on the tenth, I think. So that got the Madison and it's gonna be here <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like Wisconsin just hates Illinois, I guess. They're just like, fuck you guys. <laughs> They always talk shit about the Packers. Don't talk shit about Packers. <laughs> we are Packers. We're supposed to be packing this up and mailing it, but fuck you. Yeah, but it's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid, but... That's dumb. Thank you, COVID. Very dumb. <laughs> yeah. What a country. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. Well, I don't really have a list of uh, my top albums of the year. I was going to, but I'm like, eh. It hasn't been a, a phenomenal year. There's been some albums, but most of them are kind of good, not great. Uh, like Freeze Pop had a new album just recently, Fantasizer. It's all right. Uh, the Birthday Massacre had a new EP. Again, it's all right, not not great. Uh, Pet Shop Boys had a new album earlier in the year. It's it's all right, not spectacular. Um, so really, the only there's only two albums I really wanted to highlight this year. Uh, one of them is a split album. For uh, no effects, and this guy Frank Turner, who's like this British guy who kind of does punk punkish, punk esque songs, but all like acoustic and just kind of like campfire style. <laughs> so, no effects and him did this split album, which no effects has done this before with uh, Rancid back in the day, like the late 90s or early 2000s. They did a thing where, like, I think it was 12 tracks and Six of them were no effects doing covers of Rancid songs, and then the other six were Rancid doing covers of no effects songs. So this is a similar type of thing where uh, no effects covers like five of Frank Turner's songs, and then Frank Turner covers five no effects songs. So I'd never heard of this Frank Turner guy, and I probably won't listen to him too much, but it was enjoyable. Like it was practically just like I had never heard these songs before, so no effects doing them. It was just kind of like more new, new no effects songs to me because <laughs> I'd never heard the originals before. So that was fun. And uh, the versions that Frank Turner did of no effects songs were pretty good too. Um, a lot of them are more acoustic y and slowed down and that kind of thing. So it's an interesting take on uh, the originals. So that's worth checking out. It's called. Uh, the album, I think, is called, what is it, Wessex? West Coast versus Wessex. Um, huh. It's not bad. Yeah. Check it out. It's, it's worth checking out for sure. I think NoFX does have an actual new album coming out sometime soon. I don't think it's come out yet that I've seen, but maybe early next year. I think they wanted to put this out first. Um, and the only other one I really wanted to talk about was Made of Rain, the uh, the new album by the Psychedelic Furs. Uh, who were an 80s band who kind of stopped basically putting out albums in 1991. So this is their first album in 29 years. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It took them a while to get this one done, apparently. Like, they kind of called it quits for a while, and then they started touring again, probably, like, early 2000s. And so they've been touring a bunch, but never wanted to 
to write any new music, I guess. And then now they're finally just like, all right, yep, here you go. New album. <laughs> and uh, it was well worth the wait. I fucking, I really loved it. It's, uh, it's one of the best things I've heard in a while. And it's just like, God damn, if they could have been cranking this out all along, like I wish they would have, but maybe it just took them a long time to write these songs. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a while to, you know, you got to baste it for a while. You got to make sure that the skin is crispy before you actually pull it out. Gotta get the giblets out. I've always said that. <laughs> Ever since the womb. Even in the womb. Yep. It's very echoey. M- most but of the time in the womb. <laughs> 90% of the time. That's where I'm at. <laughs> um, I also didn't really do a top movies of the year because obviously there haven't been shit as far as movies go. Yeah, what are some um, highlights though that you have seen? Because I know you haven't really gone to the movies, but I know that they still keep pooping movies out, whether it's streaming <laughs> or whatever. And I know it's not very many movies, I'll tell you that. But um, no, I'm wondering so what you have because there was that Greenland movie that I'm kind of interested in seeing because uh, it's a disaster movie, and I've heard okay things yeah. about it, surprisingly. And then Monster Hunter is like all over the place. Some people love it, some people <laughs> absolutely hate it. And I think the people who are saying they love it are just like, well, I went in expecting it to have no story and no dialogue, and that's what I got. <laughs> so... <laughs> the action was good. That's yep. all I needed. That's all I keep hearing was the action was great, there's no story, no dialogue, and that is Monster Hunter. So I'm like, huh, well, that does sound pretty good. <laughs> As long as I got the cat, that's all you need. And they're apparently in there as well, so. I didn't even know that movie came out yet. It just came out yesterday. Oh, okay. Or uh, Friday. Just in time for Christmas. Yep. <laughs> um, well, there are two th- two movies I can talk about that I did end up renting on Prime. Um, they weren't like those super new ones where it's like, you got to pay 20 bucks. So I'm like, ah, fuck that. Like, I do kind of want to watch Freaky. But, like, I'm not going to wait till that's cheaper. Like, I'm not paying full 20 bucks for that. Oh, I don't want to watch um, that movie at all. Why do they just keep rehashing <laughs> the same stuff over and over and over again? I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of just Freaky Friday, but with a serial killer. But that could be fun. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Never know. But I did rent uh, two movies that were just, like, six bucks. Um, new movies that came out this year. Uh, one of them was called Fat Man. Of course. Um, this is a movie. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie uh, starring Mel Gibson as Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, I've seen the. I think well, a we all need it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Walton Goggins is in this movie, which I love him, obviously, from The Shield and yeah. everything else he's been in. He's always fucking great. Um, so he plays like an assassin who's kind of working for this spoiled ass rich kid who's kind of a he's a real dick. And uh, he gets pissed off at Santa Claus for giving him coal for Christmas. So he hires this hitman to assassinate Santa Claus. As one does. And hitman, yeah, hitman's also got a you know a grudge against Santa Claus for giving him coal when he was a kid. So so he's he's more than happy to take on this gig. So uh, Santa Claus, meanwhile, Mel Gibson, he's just kind of like. Um, He's he's his business is struggling. <laughs> like apparently he gets a subsidy from the government. At least the United States government. They don't really mention if he gets money from other you know country governments. But uh, so he gets a, it's a subsidy for how many toys he makes and delivers to kids. But basically, since kids are so bad now that like only half of them got toys, <laughs> so uh, he only gets half his payment. And he's like, oh man, we, we can't survive on just half the payment. So he has to strike a deal with the like United States military so that like part of the year he'll be making parts for jets and shit like that for the military. 
This is and very, very elaborate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, because, like, the government comes in. They're like, oh, no, elves, you got to cut those bells off your shoes. They're not going to get through the metal detector and shit like that. <laughs> so there's some fun stuff. <laughs> Well, they're having a little bit of fun with it, but most of the movie, like they are not together. Like it's it's Walton Goggins trying to find Santa, and Santa just doing his own shit. And then it finally comes like together at the end, and they there's a confrontation. But it's uh it's it is pretty good. Like Walton Goggins once again turns in a great performance. Um, he's kind of a little more subdued, not like you know the laugher in uh, American Ultra. He's not like so over the top, but very good, very intense, and. Very captivating to watch. And Mel Gibson as Santa was weird, but not terrible. <laughs> huh. Although also for it being called Fat Man and him being Santa Claus, he was not very fat. <laughs> yeah, no, I would imagine he was doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was He was fairly one of the more fit Santas you've ever seen in your life. I want to see but more stuff fun. from Mel Gibson. I want more Bravehearts and more Christs. It is about time that he came back. I know he, he's obviously done a lot of bad shit, but you know, I think who he's cares? This lesson, yeah, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> you gotta forgive people eventually. Like I already stopped caring so, so long ago. Yeah, agreed. It's not like he killed someone. Like then, all right, I get it. He didn't. He didn't take <laughs> a whole say bunch dumb, of people. Cosby style. Yeah, you just get drunk and say stupid shit. Like, all right, whatever. <laughs> You're probably not a great dude, but let him work. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, all right, what's um, the other movie? Other movie uh, was called Possessor. Okay. Um, this was a movie by Brandon Cronenberg, who is the son of David Cronenberg, uh, who is the director who did a lot of like body horror stuff, like uh, the, the the Fly with Jeff Goldblum. That was him. Um, Scanners, stuff like that. Uh, Crash, not the one from like 2004, but the 90s one where it was about like people who got sexually aroused by car crashes and they were like having sex with wounds and stuff like that. What the like, hell? It was weird. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird movie. And that didn't James make Spiller. it onto your disturbing list? <laughs> it should have. It probably should have. Maybe I hadn't watched it by then. <laughs> but uh, so this is his son. He's, uh, he's directing this movie. And uh, it was okay it had some great visual effects um basically the story is it's set in what seems to be the the near future i would say and uh so there's this assassination company essentially that they can transport people's brains into other people's brains or you know trans you know transfer your consciousness into someone else's body so that you can then get close to somebody like you know if they wanted to take out your dad, they would just put their brain in your body and you would go see your dad and then shoot him. <laughs> and then they jump back out and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> so it's about this lady who is one of those people who jumps into these bodies. And uh, so some of the effects were really cool, like especially when she was you know, transferring her mind into this other person's body. Like it looked really cool. And there were some, some even better like visual effects later on when things started to go wrong. But overall, it did just kind of feel a little hollow. Um, it's kind of about her on this one case, and the guy kind of fights back a little bit, and you know things go awry a little bit. And it's just kind of about her, you know, kind of how unfeeling she is and what this job has done to her, um, and how it's kind of cut her off from her emotions. <laughs> but um, 
it was it was okay, but it, it didn't change the world or anything like that. So, huh? Okay. Not a strong recommend, but it's it's all right. Like if it was free, I would I could say watch it. Well, I'm glad it was in your most notable movies of this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great pick. Um, <laughs> well, these are just ones I watched recently since probably the last time we've talked. Oh, that's fair. So there haven't there haven't been a whole lot this year, to be honest. <laughs> no, there really hasn't. No. But I did put together a list. Um, it really isn't uh, have to do with this year, per se, just a, an evergreen kind of all-encompassing list. Oh. Uh, I did promise last time we talked that I was going to do my list of my favorite female singers. Mm-hmm. I feel like we all know what number <laughs> one might be. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. <laughs> but I did put together a top 11. Uh, these are like the top 11 that – there's definitely like a clear distinction, I think, between these 11 and then the next group. So that's why I went with 11 versus like 10. I'm like, these these ones all have to be up near the very, very top. Um, and I just tried to focus on just like voice, not like how attractive they are or <laughs> – like, this one plays 17 different instruments as well. <laughs> like, overall music ability. I'm just thinking of, you know, just singing in general. Just just stick into that for the most part. And where does Sinead O'Connor land? <laughs> I guess we'll find not out. in this group. <laughs> oh, weird. Not I'll give you a little, little tease. Um, of the 11, five of them are from America. Then we got two from Canada. Two from Britain, one from Ireland, and one from Scotland. Oh, hmm. That's a little hint for everyone. (laughs) All right, so starting out top with uh, number 11. Uh, I went with Mercedes and Phoenix Arnhorn, who we've talked about on the show. Uh, They were the lead singers of Courage My Love, a band from Canada, where it's basically just these two twin girls and their buddy, uh, who's like a dude who plays guitar. Um, they started out kind of like Paramore. They went along the same track as Paramore where it started out kind of pop punk, but then just went pop and synth pop. (laughs) But to me, it's been more successful than Paramore's trip because I like their songs more. Whereas Paramore, it's like, this is pop, but not actually that catchy. (laughs) To each their own. (laughs) Yeah. Your mileage may vary. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, I really do like them. Their voices are very nice. They're kind of, they're probably of all the people on my list. They're probably the least distinct. Like, oh, I recognize them right away. But I mean, I would. But I could see other people being like, oh yeah, that that doesn't sound totally distinct. But to me, it does. And their Canadian accent's good, so I appreciate it. And I just, I really like their songs. So well, that's fun. my number eleven. <laughs> um, speaking of, this one leads right into number ten. Because number 10 is also a couple of Canadian twin sisters. <laughs> what are the odds? Uh, Tegan and Sarah are number 10. Uh-huh. Uh, like them a lot. Very good voices. And they can do a lot of things. Like, they can do just kind of your normal, like, ballady type songs. Or they can do this, like, really fast talking kind of thing where it's, it's not quite rap, but it's very, I don't know, very, very cool sounding. Like and, rap. Uh, <laughs> kind of. But it's not full. You wouldn't be like, oh, they're rapping. But it's just kind of fast and, and cool uh, and distinct. But um, I really like them. They're they're great. Uh, 
big fan. Plus the fact that they're twins. I mean, it's always cool that they can kind of back each other up. And it's basically like you're doing your own backup vocals on a, a CD, except you don't have to because you got you got another version of you right there. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted a twin. One day, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. Next Christmas, for sure. Where's the group on for that? That'll be my time to shine. <laughs> All right, number nine. Uh, this is my entry from Scotland. Number nine is a woman ca- named Claire Grogan. <laughs> uh, she was the lead singer of an 80s band called Altered Images. Um, they had three albums and then just kind of disappeared. I think she just kind of wanted to be a mom and do all that kind of stuff, so they just kind of stopped. But a very like unique voice, one of the most unique voices I've ever heard. Um, I don't know if you would know any of their songs. If anything, you might know the song Happy Birthday that was in 16 Candles. Nope. Um, that would probably be the most familiar. I'm, I'm going to put a like a playlist up on the, our uh, Facebook page just in case anyone wants to listen to this and see what they sound like. But uh, it's very, it's very like she sounds like almost like she's doing baby talk. <laughs> Perfect. With like a Scottish accent, but. It's 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 so good. Like it's very just high register and very cool sounding, and I really like it. And it almost sounds like she's Japanese, but she's Scottish, which is a weird combination. She could be both, Kevin. I feel like you're just being kind of a racist right now. <laughs> well, no, I mean you see pictures of her. She's just blonde and normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Normal, huh? That sounds racist as well. <laughs> But just a just a tidbit. Um, apparently, she was also doing some acting, and she was in a couple of movies in like Scotland back in the day. And then apparently, I mean, she was like 20 years old, I think. She was in a bar, and uh, like some guys started fighting, and somehow she ended up getting you know like elbowed out of the way, and like went through a plate glass window and got this like massive scar on the side of her face. I'm like, oh no, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you're just sitting there drinking, and all of a sudden, bam, scarred for life. Damn. Well, that, that <laughs> but it did not sucks. affect your voice any because it's it's great. I it's very very unique. Well, it made it onto your list, it. so that's pretty good. Hell yeah. Um, number eight, number eight. There's another person I don't think has ever come up on this show before. Uh, Dale Bozio from The Missing Persons. Oh, Dale Bozio, go on. I love that <laughs> man. <laughs> Nope, she's actually a lady. Oh. <laughs> um, the Missing Persons, again, this was another 80s band. Had about three albums, and then they kind of called it quits. And she went solo a little bit, which uh, some of those songs are not bad. Um, but overall, she's just a – she's very – again, very distinct. Uh, you definitely recognize her voice. It's very squeaky. Like, she'll all do a lot of, like, the sounds coming out. Oh, ah! <laughs> just like these weird noises oh no and like adding extra syllables to things that are kind of like she's like almost like she's stuttering but it's really just adding extra syllables to you know make the song work and i really like it it's very very different and uh, that's kind of what got her on here at number eight i love a lot of their songs she kind of got started i guess with uh with frank zappa like he brought her in to do a couple of songs um, on one of his albums. Then she ended up marrying one of the guys in his band, so they started the Missing Persons together, uh, along with I think another guy from Frank Zappa's band. So you know they're kind of weird and kooky, kind of like Frank Zappa. So I always like that. That always helps. You always like that kooky. 
<laughs> I did it all for the kooky. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that leads to number seven. Uh, <laughs> I know this will sound stupid, but it's it's factually accurate. Um, my number seven is Julie Brown. I don't know who that is. <laughs> You should. She was the woman who sang uh, The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. Oh, Christ. Because I'm a blonde. <laughs> Songs like that. Um, <sighs> I I don't know what it is, but I really like her voice. Um, even the, the non-funny songs, like the regular just kind of pop songs that she did in the 80s were great. Um, I love them they, just though? as much as the funny songs. <laughs> I like them. Like, they, they, she could be very emotional and, like, she sounds like you listen to her voice and you're like, oh man, this chick sounds hot. And she's not really that good looking, but the voice really does sound good. All right. <laughs> so I approve. She is definitely she she captures that kind of eighties pop sound. She definitely that was does. Everywhere. Yeah. And in, like that's probably like the most essential version of that. Like you can go to Madonna or something like that, but this is like even more eighties to me. <laughs> it just feels so dripping with eighties. And I guess it reminds me of being a kid. So I think that's why she's uh, up at number seven. I mean, I guess that's fair. Yeah. All these, I mean, these could kind of all slide around. Every one on this list could probably move up or down, uh, you know, a space or two, or maybe even three in some cases. But the top four will definitely be just be the top four, I think, in the, they're in the right order. But everything else, there's some wiggle room. It's all liquid. <laughs> yep. Like the T-1000. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> sure. Uh, so my number six, this is another tie, kind of, of two people, but they're from the same band. Uh, we got Kate Pearson and Cindy Wilson uh, from the B-52s. Oh, no. <laughs> They're from Athens, Georgia. or at least, I think Kate was from New Jersey, but then she moved to Athens, Georgia. Um, so they kind of have a little bit of the southern accent, but not in like an annoying way. And yet they just have these great voices. Like That's the reason why I like the B-52 so much, is both Fred Schneider and both of these girls have very great and distinct voices <laughs> not like traditionally you know normal voices in some cases like fred schneider but the mix of all of them together just really works and uh i, I like both of them it's amazing how similar they sound like despite the fact that these two are not related like tegan and sarah or you know mercedes and phoenix um they're not related at all but they sound very similar to me like there will definitely be times where i'm like i can't tell which one this is <laughs> Huh. Um, like Cindy, she's definitely a little bit more sarcastic and kind of more willing to do the yelling parts. She's the um, Raphael of the group. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Whereas Kate is more like kind of soothing and warm. Like her voice just sounds like it's inviting you in. The Donatello and, uh, of the group. <laughs> yep, she also does machines. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, both of them have done work outside of the B-52s. Like, they've guested on other people's songs. I would say Kate more so than Cindy, but I just recently found out that this uh, Martini Ranch band that I was listening to, like, there's a couple songs on their CD that had Cindy Wilson as background vocals. I'm like, oh, cool. I recognized your voice right away. Um, but Kate's obviously done a couple of big ones. Um, one of the ones I put on the playlist was a song she did with Iggy Pop in, the yeah, like, 1990, I believe it was. Um, so it's a little bit different than her and Fred Schneider. 
a little bit of a different dynamic. Small with, uh, difference. Pop, but... <laughs> yeah. Can't even tell. a little different. <laughs> Barely but noticeable. I love it. It's such a good song. <laughs> and she, of course, obviously was on that Shiny Happy People song with R.E.M., which was a big hit, so... A lot, a lot of things. And, the, oh, the B-52s have a bunch of different combinations, too. Like, you will hear songs that are just Cindy or just Cindy and Fred or just Fred and Kate and stuff like that or just the two girls together. So that's one of the cool things, too, is you never know, like, what you're going to get with any given song. <laughs> Number five is the hamster. <laughs> From the hamster dance. I assume it's a girl. <laughs> Can't be sure. I didn't check, but pretty sure. Don't worry, I did. Uh, it's a girl. <laughs> and, she, and she's expecting. <laughs> oh, good. I love a whole litter of hamster dances. <laughs> um, a number five. This, again, is another one that really just reaches back to my childhood. Um, Natalie Merchant is my number five. Um, from, let's see, where is she from? It's in America, New York. Jamestown, New York. Uh, she was the lead singer of the 10,000 Maniacs, and then she went solo probably like 94, 95-ish, and uh, has been doing kind of solo records ever since. Um, like, before I even started listening to the radio, this was one where I was like, oh, man, like, kind of like Dolores O'Riordan. I'm just like, who is this? This is great. Because, like, her voice just sounds so, like, soothing and just warm and you're just like oh yeah this lady's cool <laughs> like i like her it's not like the most you know it's not like rocky type music it's very kind of laid back but you're just kind of like this sounds cool and i like it huh um so i i really like her voice it's very distinct you'll notice it whenever you hear it she's done songs with other people like rem and stuff like that too um and you're always like oh you can tell right away that that's natalie merchant and she she does some great songs, uh, even on her solo stuff. Um, I know this would be Larry from the LCS Hockey Show's number one. Like this is like his Dolores O'Riordan, but she's number five for me. Um, I like her quite a bit, <laughs> especially like my favorite of all of them is she, they did a cover. The Ten Thousand Maniacs did a cover of "Because of the Night" on their MTV Unplugged. That is just phenomenal. Like it's my favorite version of that song, and I still I remember hearing that song when I was a kid and just being like getting goosebumps. This is so good. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have like a favorite female singer like in my brain, and yeah. I think there's good female singers. I I don't know if I can even pinpoint one down. <laughs> I mean, I like Meg uh, Myers. I think her name is. She's okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I like, I couldn't even, I don't remember the other person's name. <laughs> you might like my number four. Yeah, I figured this one will be on your list. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, number four is Lacey Mosley or Sturm, whichever you'd like to go with. Yep. Uh, formerly of Flyleaf. Um, she definitely had to be up there in the top four. Um, she can pretty much do it all, I would say. <laughs> like, she can do the crazy screaming, um, or she can just do very good, like, emotionally heartfelt songs as well. And she does it all, and it all sounds great. Yeah, she's really good. I do like her as well. Yeah, talented as fuck. That's pretty talented. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure is. Uh, number three, this again is one of my all-time favorites. Um, 
the next two are going to be from England. Uh, this one is from England. Let's see. Bexley Heath, England. We all know Bexley Heath. <laughs> it sounds like uh, something that maybe an animal gets. If it's kind of like allergic to something, it gets the Bexley Heath. <laughs> Dr. Pole has to come over and stick his hand up its ass. Yep. Oh, that's definitely Bexley Heath. Let me take your temperature. Pull your pants <laughs> down, doggy. Now let's make a movie. Take off your shirt. Oh, yes. That's the Bexley Heath if I've ever seen it. <laughs> uh, my number three is Kate Bush. Um, you, I know, I don't know if you would have ever heard any of her songs per se. I know you've heard that cover of Running Up That Hill. Yeah. Um, but she was the one who did the original one. And uh, she is just phenomenal. Like a great voice that's all over the place. Like such dynamic range like she can kind of do some low stuff but it's mostly up this high very falsetto kind of range and then she'll just swing from one to the other and it doesn't sound like terrible <laughs> like you think that sounds like oh that's a that's a terrible roller coaster you're on right there but no it's all like masterfully done and uh she does like a lot of piano songs and she does a lot of weird all her videos have weird like dancing uh like she got very into like interpretive dance and stuff like that so <laughs> the videos are strange as hell but uh, she, her voice is just so cool to me. I really do like it. Um, one of the most talented people I've ever seen. I guess she was kind of discovered by one of the guys from Pink Floyd. Like he was friends with the family, and then he like heard her voice, and he was just like, "Damn, like we got to get you a record contract." So she was kind of making albums. Like by the time she was seventeen, and even that first album, there's like the song "Wuthering Heights." Like you listen to that song, and you're like, "How does a seventeen-year-old come up with this?" <laughs> Huh. It's nuts. I should listen to more because I do like Running Up That Hill. I like the Meg Myers version of that. That's the one I probably heard way more. But I know I've heard her version as well. They're both very similar, but yeah, I should give that a listen. Yeah. Running Up That Hill might be my very favorite of Kate Bush's songs. It's it's great. That is an amazing song. That's one of those songs yeah. like I, I'll, I just recently created another playlist on uh, uh, Spotify. I love Spotify. Uh, but I created another playlist and it's basically just songs that it's like no matter what, if I heard it. So I have one playlist that is just a smorgasbord of everything that I love. There's like, I don't even know, like close to a thousand different songs on there. And I'll just shuffle. And sometimes I get in the mood, it's like, all right, I don't want to listen to that song. So I go next and next and next. But there's certain songs that no matter what it is, I'll always stop and listen to. And that's one of those songs. So, of course, I put that song plus I think it's like 40 other songs on one list. Uh, just so no matter what, nice. I can always listen to those songs because no matter what, I'll listen. I'll listen to those jams. Yeah. I should, should probably put that together. That's, that would be a good list. <laughs> I like it. I like that. All right. Well, my number two is going to be Imogen uh, Heap. Top... Nice. Good call. Imogen Heap. Imogen Heap, everybody. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh. Is that a film company? <laughs> no, she's the she's the girl who did uh or the the lady, whatever she is. She did uh Oh damn it. Oh my god, this is gonna drive me nuts. Hold on one second. Don't say anything yet. <laughs> don't even say okay. anything yet. I'm just gonna type in her name into YouTube. It'll pop right up the song that I know. Imogen <laughs> Heap. I don't like the name Imogen, by the way. Like Imogen Poots, that's probably the worst name I've ever heard for anyone. Yeah, that's a terrible. Well, <laughs> if anyone should have changed the their name, like it's Imogen Poots. Yeah, it's the chick who does. <laughs> it's so weird that Julian Baker showed up here too. 
Um, she's the one who did the song uh, Hide and Seek. Where are we? What the hell is going? People out there definitely know what the hell I'm singing. You might have no idea. <laughs> but she Yeah, I'm kind of in that range. Um, you would definitely know it if you heard the uh like the bridge of the song because it was in a bunch of those like dance uh dance like songs oh, like, like dancers kind of like almost oh, like okay. DDR style kind of like music. Yeah. Um, it was in that that was mixed into a lot of songs like back in like the two thousands, maybe even early or late nineties. What you oh, say? I don't know. I can't do her song, but she's got a lot of range too. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check this out after the show. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Baker uh, might be on my list as well. I like Julian Baker. You, you and Nick made fun of me hardcore for listening to her song. Oh yeah. Um, I remember that now. <laughs> but I like Julian Baker. Those songs sound like someone who doesn't want to be here anymore. She's going to bleed the black and black the night. Yeah, she's definitely bleed the black, black the night kind of uh, <laughs> chick. So there you go. Uh, my my number two is not so bleed the black or black the night. Uh, this is Tatiana De Maria. Um, she's my number two. Um, and kind of since obviously my number one has passed away, <laughs> kind of the number one for living people. Um, she was the lead singer of a band called Tat. Uh, it was a three piece band from England who did like pop punk songs. I just happened to stumble upon at like work tour, probably 2006 and just kind of happened to see them up there. And I was like, this is great. And so I bought their demo and then they came out with an album like a year or two later and I got that. And then that was pretty much it. Like they appeared on a couple of soundtracks or something here and there, but they never came out with another album for some reason. And then they just kind of broke up. Um, but she's been doing a lot of like solo songs the last couple of years, a lot of like acoustic stuff or just kind of, uh, you know, like a little drum machine type of thing, but kind of doing it all herself. And they're still also just as good. Like her voice is amazing. Um, she just recently did a uh, YouTube like an acoustic version of Linoleum by No Effects. So, you know, I love that. It's combining so many of the things I love. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Gasm filled. <laughs> yep. But uh, she's great. She's got much more of a, she's a little bit more of a lower voice. Like it's kind of on that sultrier side where it's a little bit more raspy, a little bit lower in the register. Um, but so good and just so dripping with emotion and also very good at doing like faster paced pop punk songs as well. So big, big fan. Uh, the accent really is great too. Like some people, you know, kind of lose the British accent when they sing a little bit, but nope, <laughs> not in this case. It is very much on display. It's so weird that I'm that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Right? I don't know why that is. Ah, whatever. Mike used to gain <laughs> a British accent when he would sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Billy Joe Armstrong method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. That's got to just be what you're, something you're putting on. And your number one <laughs> is definitely William guy. Eyelash. <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> no, we all know. I'm not even spending too much time on this one, but we all know number one, Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> done it too that many times coming. on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Can't That's a nice that. list. That's a very nice list. Yeah. 
I was thinking of. At some point, could... I'll put together my my uh, my top dudes list too. It'll have to be longer, probably like at least twenty. Mine will probably like I'll probably do a top dudes list, but it'll be like top like ten like naked dudes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> top ten men's hats. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, I'd like to do a list of like the top twenty maybe songs of twenty twenty that were pandemic related, though, because there was a lot of really good songs that did come out this year that like had to do. I don't know if I can even poop out ten. Not that Blink One Eighty Two song. No, that will not make <laughs> it. That song deserves to be in the garbage. Um, <laughs> That's the worst thing that happened this year. <laughs> <laughs> this is worse than the pandemic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like to do that because there's definitely uh, a few songs that I uh, uh, that I listened to this year that I liked. And again, I don't know if there would be top ten uh, if there's ten of them that I like that much, but it's definitely yeah. a few. Yeah, yeah, top five maybe. Yeah, probably <laughs> top five. That's a good call. Um. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Do we got anything else we want to touch upon? Um, I think we hit pretty much everything. Sweet. Um, Imogen Poots, change your name. Uh, it's for the better benefit of everyone. Uh, Imogen Heap, yours is all right. <laughs> I'll also check this song out after the show. Text it to me. It's called Hide and Seek. Yeah, I'll text it to you. That's a good one. Uh, you'll like it. People. I want to say it's like a very much like um, I think it's just like oh man, what do they call that? Acapella. Uh, most of the song, but it's incredible the range that she has in the song. Because then I'm like, oh, this is like because it's her voice layered a whole bunch of times, but there's not really any music. Hmm. But then I heard her do it live, and you'll hear like in the song that I send you, you'll hear in the song that I send you that it's like, oh, that's fake. But then you hear it live, and I'm like, well, that just shut me up. <laughs> that was not fake. Huh. So she's, like, echoing herself at the well, same time? So the layers so the layers sound um, uh, just like it's layered. But then she hits this extremely high note that doesn't sound real. But yeah. then you hear her do it live, and you're just like, well, okay. It, that, I guess that was <laughs> real. Very shocking. <laughs> wow. It's a banshee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a staker. I'm assuming that's what you do with banshees. She's definitely banshee-esque. But Stakes it's really good. You'll hear it. I sent it to your <laughs> face space. All right, everybody. Well, this All has right. been another fantastic episode from the... Uh, oh, God. Who are we? We're the original Janksters. I'm Peter Jank. That's Kevin Jank. And as always, remember to flip that tip and show me what you're working with, right? To the 10th ascent. To the 10th? To the 10th ascent. <laughs> <laughs>